0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Trinity Church in Carryville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, please visit our website, trinity901.com. So when I lived in Oxford for several years, I exercised with a group of men, and it was in the afternoons. It was a very challenging form of exercise. It's one of the hardest things, frankly, that I've ever done. And I enjoyed it, and I think that it was helpful. One of the challenges in this particular group, being in Oxford, Mississippi, is that there were a number of college students. And these young men were in unbelievable shape. In fact, a handful of them were track and field athletes on scholarship at Old Miss. So it was a very deflating and humiliating experience every time I went. But it was a fun group, and they always encouraged me. They always picked me up off the ground. They picked me up off the ground a lot. And it was was just a good experience all around. One day, this young man came to our group. Now remember, some of these young men were high-level athletes in the SEC. They could just do infinite number of circles around me. And this young man came to our group, and he was very muscular and very in shape. And after the first session, I was astounded because he was in better shape than some of these young men who ran track. And over the next couple of months, I just watched him. Sometimes it was hard for me to work out because I felt like I was watching something on ESPN. That is how incredible he was. I found out from our trainer, the leader of the group, that he was on leave for a special assignment at the University of Mississippi, as an army ranger. And not only was he an army ranger, he was in a subunit, an elite unit, within the army rangers. And then the trainer went on to tell me, he does this in the morning too. He comes twice a day. I was blown away. And so, it, it was either a... I think that it was around July the 4th. And I just wanted, having found out that he served our country, I just wanted to get his autograph. Just kidding. I just wanted to thank him for his service to our country. So I went up to him and I, I said, Listen, I am just amazed at the level of shape that you are in. And it is unbelievable to watch you exercise. And I feel strange saying this, but just take it as a compliment from an old man. He shook his head. And I said, I just want to thank you for serving our country. And we started talking and he found out I was a pastor and he was a believer and it was a really interesting conversation. And towards the end, he looked at me and he said, do you know why I'm so dedicated to this training morning and evening? And he said, and I'll never forget this, I don't do it to look good in the mirror. Which I had noticed he never looked in the mirror. Let me tell you, I would have not stopped looking in the mirror if I would looked like him. And he said, I don't, act, I don't do it either for health. He said, here's why I do it. If I'm in battle, and my life is on the line, and the enemy is pursuing me, I cannot for a moment divert my mental alertness away from the presence of the enemy to my body because I'm tired, I'm exhausted, or I'm worn down. That cannot hinder me in the heat of the battle. I have to be prepared I have to be trained, I have to be, his own words, elite to survive. And so, this morning we come to 1 Timothy chapter 4, 6 through 10, and Paul is hinting at this. That we are believers who are under assault from our enemy. And that training is extremely important. That training is significant for our own survival. That there is a significance to training in good doctrine. That there is an importance in training and godliness. And that's what we're going to examine this morning. Only two things: a significance of training and good doctrine, an importance of training. The importance of training in godliness. So let's let's talk about doctrine. Let's focus in. Let's zoom in as we begin on verses six. And seven, Paul says to his spiritual protege, Timothy, who's the pastor of a church that he started in Ephesus, a church that's under attack from false teachers, he says to them that if you want to be a good servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you want to be a worthy servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, you must be trained in the faith and the good doctrines of our religion. That this is important. This training is significant. And so Paul is writing this letter, as I just said, to his protege in the ministry, to a teaching elder, a pastor. And so you might look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and you think, well, this is just for pastors. Hunter needs to dwell on this and think about this. This needs to be an encouragement to him. But I would also remind you that we are a church plant That is in the process of training men who will become elders. And thus we will become an official church. And so this message is also for our elders. It's for all men in this congregation who might be elders in the future. It is important to have good doctrine. It is important to be trained in the words of Jesus Christ. But ultimately I would make the argument that Paul's message is for all of us that he is not only speaking to Timothy as a pastor. Remember, this letter is for the church in Ephesus. And as we talked about or discussed a few weeks ago, it is for all New Testament churches. Paul ultimately hoped that this letter would be read by more congregations than just the one that was in Ephesus. So, in speaking to Timothy, he's speaking to all of us. This is something that we should strive for. Now, let me provide you a footnote. This verse is getting at the reason why is a denomination that we take elder training and the ordination of teaching elders, pastors, and ruling elders so seriously. Because we see Paul here telling Timothy in this church, full of false teachers, doctrine matters. The Word of God matters. What you believe is significant. And so know it well. And so I will tell you, going through seminary and going through the ordination process was very frustrating and very tiring and it's a very high bar compared to most denominations we make the argument in part based on 1 Timothy chapter 4 that the church is under attack from the enemy. Individual Christians are under attack from the enemy. And it is, it is unbelievably significant and important that we know what we believe and why we believe it. And so this is a challenge for you as well. Now, one of the interesting things in the Greek is the ESV, the English Standard Version, uses the word trained. But the NIV and the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, it uses the word nourished. In fact, the NASB says constantly nourished. Now, if you look at the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but I did read up on this. It can be translated constantly nourished. And I really like that, those two defining words. That Paul is telling Timothy, you must know the doctrines of our holy religion. You must know the tenets of our faith. Timothy, be constantly nourished by it. And remember, it was your mother and your grandmother who nourished you who fed you the Word of God, who trained you up. And this is why you are the pastor that you are, and this is why you're going to be able to do what I have tasked you to do in such a challenging and difficult situation in Ephesus. So as we think about this training, we think about this nourishment, it's just a reminder of what the Word of God does to our soul. Hear Jeremiah 15, 16. I love this verse. The prophet Jeremiah writes, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Your words were found, and I ate them. Isn't that a beautiful metaphor? That the Word of God nourishes my soul. It feeds me in a dry and weary place. That when I am spiritually hungry, when I hurt, that the Word of God comes to me and it fills me up. It it nourishes me. It's beautiful language and an important reminder to us that we need to know the doctrines of the Reformed tradition. That we need to know the teachings of Jesus. That we need to know the Bible. Because it's what feeds us. It's what makes us full. Training in the Word of God also protects us. It not only nourishes us, it protects us. And we look at later in the verse, it talks about irrelevant and silly myths. Paul is telling Timothy, one of the reasons that you have not fallen for these irrelevant and silly myths, and one of the hopes that I have for the church in Ephesus is that they will not fall prey to these irrelevant and silly myths, the teachings of these false teachers, is that they are trained up in the Word of God. Somebody asked me at lunch, a couple of weeks ago. It was not a question regarding our church and it wasn't a question regarding our denomination. It was more of a question of broader evangelicalism in the United States. What is the most surprising thing to you about the church? That was the question. I had several answers. But one of the things that I have noticed over time and Granted, the context for me has primarily been in the Mid South and the Bible Belt, in the Deep South. But one of the things that has been surprising to me over time is the lack of knowledge of Scripture. And social media, for all its evils and problems, is an interesting study in human psychology and spirituality. And one of the things that I've seen over time is that people don't seem to know the Bible nor theology. And they're just winging it. And to me, that's very unfortunate. And it actually goes against what Paul is telling us in 1 Timothy chapter 4. I am grateful and thankful for being raised in a home where the Bible was paramount. I remember my dad, and I've mentioned this before, telling me that the most important thing that I can know is Scripture. And I remember thinking in high school, that's that's silly, that's foolish, because if you're a neuroscientist, how can knowing Scripture be more, more important than knowing that field of medicine? And you can sort of follow my line of thinking and logic in making that point. But the older I get, and the more time I pastor people, the more time I spend around people, the more I come to the realization of the truth of the importance and significance of the Word of God. As our catechism says, it is the only hope for faith in life. And that the wisest people that I know The wisest people that I have ever met, regardless of what they do for an occupation, are thoroughly trained in the Word of God. They're devout believers who love the Word. They consume it and they are trained in it. And they ooze wisdom. Some make a lot of money, some don't. Some have a lot of education, some don't. There is a different, there's a difference, and I tell my children all this, this all the time. There's a difference between being intelligent and wise. Aim for wisdom. Train yourself up in the Word of God. Let the doctrines of our faith nourish your soul. Hear what Paul has to say in Ephesians chapter 6. Mentioned this just a second ago in the children's message. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Fasten yourself with the Word of God. What Paul is saying. Let that be your protection as you navigate this fallen world where our enemy wants to bring you down. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and finally in verse 15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. There's the word of God. There's the word of God again. What is the gospel of peace? It is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. His teachings. His life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. Clothe yourself in this truth. Clothe yourself in the word of God. Put on the doctrines of our faith and then walk out the front door into the battlefield that is life. training in godliness. So we've looked at verse 6 and now we come to verse 7 through 9. And Paul says for while bodily training is of some value, which that is an interesting thing. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago the early form perhaps of a Gnosticism that was in the church in Ephesus. Gnosticism it, it would require a much lengthier definition than I have time for. But one aspect of it, and we see it mature and grow later on in the second and third century in the early church, but one aspect of it is the denial of the body, the, the insignificance of the body. And Paul is saying right here, no, the body is significant, but the soul is much more. Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. And so Paul is saying training in the Word of God, training in our holy doctrines is significant. For this life. Paul is saying training in godliness is also significant in this life and the life to come. But there's the end part of verse 10 that could cause some confusion. We have have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Now that can sound like on face value universalism. And I'm not really sure why they translate it this way. I looked at several other translations. And I think, again, not a Greek scholar, but I think a better way to say verse 10 is that God is the Savior of all kind of men and women to all who believe in Him. Now we saw this in the previous chapter that what Paul is intimating is that the gospel has come and it is not simply for Israel. That the gospel is for Israel, it is for the Greeks, it is for the Romans, it is for the whole world. Not simply the twelve tribes of Israel. And this gospel is for all those who believe, who come from every tribe and every tongue and every nation that is what verse 10 is trying to communicate so there are values there are value there's value there are benefits to this present life and the life to come in terms of training for godliness why do we want to train why do we want to be godly well paul has given us a hint he's given us a clue He said that Timothy is a godly young man, that he is a godly pastor, that he has been trained in the Word of God, he's been nourished by the Word of God, and that he is a worthy servant. So training in the Word and training in godliness, one of the byproducts for us is that we may be found a worthy servant of the Great Servant of the High King of Heaven. That my desire to be godly is fueled by a Savior who suffered and served so that I could be reclaimed and redeemed. And that serving the church And that serving Him and serving others, I give Him glory and I give Him praise because He is worth it and He deserves it. That my pursuit of godliness is an act of worship. My pursuit of godliness is a way in which I can focus on Jesus who is the ultimate servant. Who is my Savior And my Lord. I want to be found a worthy servant. I want to train in godliness because I want to worship God in light of all that He has done for me. Probably He's redeemed me and loved me and accepted me, claimed me given me a new record, given me new standing, given me a church family, given me an internal inheritance, given me the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, given me His Word. He has given me so much that I in turn want to serve Him. I want to be a worthy servant. I want to be godly. And then finally, in closing, and I love this, remember, That our hope is set on the living God who is the Savior of all people. That Jesus is the living Savior who has given His life as a sacrifice for every tribe and every tongue and every nation. All those that God would call unto Himself. Jesus is the bridge that enables us to have hope in this life. He is the bridge that it allows us to enter into the presence of the Father, into the throne room of grace, and to have hope forevermore. He is a great God. He is a mighty King. He has done so much for us. And it is a privilege and it is an honor to study His Word It is an honor and it is a privilege to live for Him because of all that He has done for us. And Paul is writing to Timothy to remind the church in Ephesus of these truths. And here's the great thing about the Word of God. Paul is writing this letter to Trinity to encourage us for the fight to be trained and nourished for the journey because the enemy is present let's pray our lord and our god we thank you for your word which feeds us protects us strengthens us lord god help us Help us by the power and the work of Your Holy Spirit to be godly. To follow after Your Son, Jesus. May it be said of all of us on the day that when we see You face to face, well done, good and faithful servant. It's in Your Son's name and for His sake that we pray. Amen.